Tonight we, we finish up with the conclusion of our conversations with Christ series that we've been in. And we've seen Jesus have conversations over the past five weeks with several different people. It started at the beginning with a conversation he had with two people as they were walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected and Jesus encounters them on the road. And remember, we saw how he had a conversation with them that revealed his desire to be in their lives. He had a genuine interest in the details of the things that they were going through and the concerns that they had and the feelings and the frustrations that they were feeling. And we saw how Jesus had a desire to be in the midst of all those things, just like he desires to be in the stuff of your life as well. Jesus wants to be in your life. He desires to be in the details of your life, and so it's necessary for us to express those things to him, even though he already knows. He wants us to express those things to him, and then we moved on in a week two, and we saw Peter, after he had had a monumental failure with denying Christ three times post-resurrection, Jesus shows up on the bank, Peter jumps out of the boat, and he swims over to see Jesus, and after they have breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter off to the side, and they have a private conversation in which Jesus speaks a word of restoration into Peter's life, and so we saw how Jesus desires to bring restoration into our life. And then we encountered a woman at the well with Christ and how Jesus began to reveal to her everything that she had done wrong in her life, which ultimately led to her forgiveness. And we saw how Jesus brings forgiveness in our lives, regardless of how big our mistakes may be, regardless of how many times we have failed. You haven't just this one guy you're with. You've had five that you've been with. And Jesus forgives her of her sins. She goes back and she gives testimony to the town. Come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then the next week we saw Jesus have a conversation with Nicodemus in which he explained to him how in order to see the kingdom of heaven, Nicodemus, you must be born again. There has to be a relationship. And so we talked about the necessity to be born again, how it's not just about having religion. Nicodemus was as religious as anybody. He had as much scripture memorized as anybody. He could pray as well as anybody. He could preach as well as anybody. He never missed a Sunday service. He never missed a Wednesday service. Nicodemus was as religious as they came, but he had no relationship. So Jesus revealed to him the need to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. And then last week we saw Jesus having a meal at Simon the Pharisee's house. During the course of that meal, this woman came in and begins to anoint Jesus with her ointment that she had. And we saw how Jesus revealed the wrong attitude of Simon's heart. And we had a discussion amongst ourselves of how it's important for us to diagnose the attitudes of our heart. And whether or not they're in a right place and what kind of worship we bring before God. Is it, is it a hard heart? Is it a calloused heart? Is it a prideful heart? Is it a selfish heart? Or is it a heart that's selfless? Is it a heart that's caring? Is it a heart that's willing to pour out everything that we have upon the feet of Jesus? And tonight we finish up this series, and I've got a lifelong friend of mine on stage with me tonight, Kevin Patrick, and we're going to have a, a live conversation about how Jesus truly changed his life. I've known this guy ever since I was old enough to have a memory uh, we grew up together. We, we lived not too far from each other. We went to the same school. He lived right down the road from my grandparents' house. And constantly during the summers, we were shooting ball together, riding bikes. And we've hunted together. We've fished together. We've done everything together. I've known this guy as long as I can remember. And God's done an amazing work in his life over the past few years. And so I want to bring you guys in on his story a little bit. That's why I encouraged you earlier to lean in. Tell the person next to you, lean in. Lean in. 
Come on, you can tell them. Don't be shy. You can talk to the mask if you got it on. Tell them to lean in. Tell them to lean in to what God desires to speak to us tonight through the testimony of Kevin's life and what he has done. And never underestimate, men and women, the power of personal testimony in your life included and how God can use that to draw other people in. So let's start off with some introductions. Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, what you do, things of that sort to let the people know a little bit about who you are. So right now, where I'm at in my life right now is I work for the Florence Fire Department. Um, my job there is basically to drive the truck, and I know a lot of you think, like, I, I never was that type of kid. Like, I, I didn't grow up playing with fire trucks. Like, this just, this just happened to come up on me at this point in time in my life. And, and like, I, I'm, I'm living my dream right now. I'm a business owner, um, but my primary focus, as far as job-wise goes, is, is being a firefighter. So you ever see one of the trucks driving down the road? We come up to UNA a lot. A lot of y'all burn popcorn. <laughs> like, y'all don't know how to cook at two o'clock in the morning for no reason y'all should be in bed <laughs> so so my like my job my job is to get my crew there safely um like i said i mean my job is very complex i know what you're thinking like it's not that hard put the put the wet stuff on the hot stuff it's it's a lot more difficult than that so like my <laughs> I'm certified in I'm like Swift Water Rescue. I don't, I'm sure this girl isn't in here tonight because it's been some years ago, but at one point in time, uh, we had to say, or we rope repelled. There was a, a nursing student that went to UNA. She messed up and told us that. And uh, we had to repel and, and get her. She liked to free climb. Free climbs like chalk, no ropes, no helmet, no nothing. She liked that, like adrenaline rush type stuff. And we, we repelled down to get her. I couldn't tell you her name. But, uh, so yeah, that's my job. Um, so married to Amory in yeah. the back. Yeah, I don't want to, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how far you wanted me to get. No, it's fine. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. I mean, I was so. going to get, I was going to get there, babe, I promise. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my wife. And just had an anniversary not too long ago. Yeah, three years. Three years. So three years. I had the privilege of marrying these two. Uh, yeah. So that tells you how close me and Kevin are and have been throughout the entirety of our lives as I have that joy to be able to do that. And so Yeah, I don't want I don't want to skip over that, you know. I mean a lot of a lot of y'all have close friends in here, but I mean we call each other brothers, but I mean we were literally together five days a week. His mom I've I've called her mama for years. For years. Like his family's my family, Caitlin's my sister, you know, Ashley, I don't know. What would she be? Sister-in-law? Sure. Sister-in-law? Uh, but yeah, their, their family and our family and Mike and his dad, I mean, we, we were super tight. Like, we did everything together. Five days a week, every day of the summer. Um, to give you an idea of what our friend, I tried to think of a funny story to tell on him, but it, all of our funny stories was like you had to be there. And it wouldn't have been that funny. I mean, I could have told a joke. But if you want to know what our relationship was about, he's like four months older than I am. So he kind of became back in the day. And he let me know that. So he would come up with all the good ideas, and I would usually have to go first to try them out. <laughs> if I come out of there with little to no damage, 
it was a good idea. If I come out of there dragging a leg and missing some blood, he'd sit back and probably say, oh, man, we need to rethink this. So we were, we were tight. You know, we did, we did everything together, everything. We did, and, you know, we could give you guys story after story of things that we got into when we were younger, but we wouldn't have enough time throughout the rest of this week to finish it all up. And now that you know a little bit about Kevin and who he is and what he does for a living, I want to talk about your life a little bit, Kevin. Tell us, what was your... What was your family life like? Give us a, a little bit of your upbringing and what life was like for you as a kid and in your home life, and let us know some of the details of what that was like when you were growing up. I mean, I, I, was, I was a basic middle-class family. I mean, you know, I mean, we, I didn't always have the nicest stuff. Like, I remember growing up, and I was always be jealous of my friends because they would have, like, the nice four-wheelers or, like, the best cleats or the best baseball glove, or the best bat. I mean, back in the day, what we have, like, Louisville Sluggers? I wouldn't even have that, man. Like, my bat would crack, like, the first baseball game we would ever play, and I'd have to use somebody else's. My dad, you know, I don't, I don't want to harp on my dad too much, but he was a hard man to grow up with. Um, he wasn't abusive by any means, but he was just a perfectionist. Uh, he demanded perfection out of me. Um, and you'll kind of see my rebellion as my life went on with that. And I'm, I, 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 like I said, I don't want to put too much emphasis on that because my dad's a great man, and he's had some changes in his life over the past few years. But um, at the time when I was a kid, I mean, it was, it was hard to deal with. And I'm sure, I'm sure some of y'all have felt that too about your parents. But. So you grew up, y'all grew up in church. Give us a little bit of a backstory on the kind of the religious background that you grew up in. So, I mean, it wasn't a main priority. I mean, we went to church. We, we were like, I mean, middle class, but we were right in the middle. I mean, we didn't go every week. We didn't go every Sunday and Wednesday, and we weren't Christers, like Christmas and Easter's and stuff like that. So, <laughs> y'all, I'm nervous. I got to tell some jokes to, like, calm myself down. <laughs> um but you had some, yeah, yeah. You had so some I, church activity in your life growing up. I used to go with you some when yeah, I was spending a night over here at your house. So yeah. you had a little bit of, a little bit of experience with being around church life, being around the Bible, being around Christians, things of that sort. It wasn't a complete absence from your childhood life, right? Definitely. So I mean, a vacation Bible school. You know, growing up singing the songs and and doing all the all the lessons and the John three sixteens and stuff like that. I mean that, that's about the extent of my you know, church remembering days. Right, so we grow up together as kids, and then obviously you don't stay a kid for forever. Uh, some of us do at heart, but physically you don't stay a kid for forever. And so, you know, we get older, and we get into middle school, and then we get into high school, and temptations start coming in to our lives that we've never dealt with before. Influences start coming in that, that we've never been exposed to before. You know, there's a a new part of life, there's a new side of life, there's some freedoms that you haven't experienced before, there's some things you haven't been exposed to before that begin to enter into our life, just like it does at anybody's stage of life when you enter into those high school years. You know, some things that you start getting introduced to, maybe it's the wrong group of people that you get introduced to, and that takes you down a path that you didn't necessarily mean to go down. And so, as we move in kind of into those high school years of your life, explain to us, you know, kind of where your life started going at that point, as we get into our, our freshman, sophomore, on through our junior and senior years, talk a little bit about the direction your life started going in during that time. All right, so like, like I was talking about my rebellion, my rebellion really started whenever I was a freshman in high school. So um, 
talking about getting, not really mixed up with the wrong people, but I had an older sister, and I was with her a lot, and so her, uh, another friend of hers in high school, she had a younger brother too, and we were kind of pals, and so we would kind of hang out on the weekends, and I would stay the night at his house and stuff, and I would always try to live up to that, like my sister, like she hung out with some cool people, so I thought I was going to have to be like as cool as she was, and uh, I, I remember <laughs> staying at my buddy's house one night, and we snuck out and went to a high school party. Well, I mean, we were in high school, but it was like one of the junior-senior parties, like right down the road, and we snuck out. We, I was like 14. Is that how old you are? And 14? I wasn't quite 15. I was 14 years old, and we went to a high school party, and on the way back, that's when I smoked weed for the first time. Um, I don't really remember much about it. Uh, just, just come back, and... Temptation, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, y'all have been there. I mean, temptation in high school, I mean, it, you, you, you want to fit in. And I, I know, I mean, whenever I was 15, you know, I started having sexual relations with girls. I remember another funny story. I don't know if Mama remembers this or not. You remember that time we was at the beach? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, y'all. So I just happened to know some girl, a group of girls that were at the beach at the same time. We had just got finished with a baseball tournament. You remember this? We had just got finished with a baseball tournament, and I went to the beach. My family went home. I went to the beach with my other family, with the, the Mitchells, and I just so happened to know some girls that were there at the same time. Well, they were all down at the beach, and I met up with them and took them. I was wanting to be cool. I wanted to show them, like, yeah, man, this is my condo and stuff like that, and then Mama walks in. Oh, my gosh, y'all. I have never been so scared in my life. I had, there was like four girls and me, and <laughs> she coming. I got a pretty good scolding after that, but I think that's when my second family really knew my rebellion was fixing to start. Um, on up into high school, man, you know, I mean, typical athlete. I mean, played sports, didn't really care much about school. I wasn't that smart. I, well, I mean, I say that. I never really applied myself. I, I just didn't care. I just barely skirted by. I just wanted to hang out and have a good time. Um, every summer... You know, me and Trey still hung out up until we were about 16, but usually every summer after that, you know, I was, uh, you know, hanging around partying, having a good time. Uh, I, would, I would drink a little bit, but, you know, as, as far as, you know, I told you I smoked, smoked weed for the first time when I was 14 years old, and that's what I kind of grew accustomed to was, was, was that. So I, I kind of hung in there with that for a while, and... Graduated high school, and I don't know if you want me to go any further than that. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into that part now, at least I want to. So, you know, you get around some things that influenced you at a young age, got into some things at a young age uh, that you experienced, and then through high school, those things kind of always just hang around. You know, you're around that scene, you're, you're around that crowd, you're around those influences, and then after high school, we move into those college-age type years. And I think that's really you know, when things kind of started slipping a little bit further than you ever realized they might at that point. So I'm going to give you the freedom at this point to share what you want to share as far as that goes after those high school years, into our young adult years, the things that you begin to get into and the turn you really, the turn your life really started to make at that point in time. All right, so I just want to back up just for a second. Um, there were some people really important to me, just like just like all y'all. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a normal guy from around this area. I've never left this area. Um, I had some really good influences in high school. 
um, basketball coaches, baseball coaches, and, and, and people like that in my life that were really big influences in me. And so whenever I was in, in you know, kind of in my rebellion, you know, I, I would always think about them and, and wonder, you know, what they would think of me if I was doing this right now. But um, going on into my college years, Trey, Trey went on to play ball for UNA, and I was enrolled in college. I say enrolled because I never went. Um, that's whenever, I mean, I think I was put on academic probation by, like, spring semester. So I wasn't even, I wasn't even in college a full year, for real. So after high school was when my slippery slope started turning into a landslide. So I, st I still smoked. I still smoked a lot. Usually, I mean, after high school, I mean, I smoked every day. Um, for for four years, I never I never quit. So um, so here's how I got into my landslide. So I went to my dealer, and I was like, man, look, I'm tired of coming over here. And see, I was I <laughs> I was smart. I mean, I was like, I don't I don't I don't want to be at your house every other day. You know what I mean? That that that's a risk that I, I don't need to be taking right now. So. I don't want to get arrested and caught up in this. So, like, how much is it going to take? Like, supply me for a month. So that way I don't have to keep coming back here. Just I, I want to buy in bulk. So he, he said, all right, come with me. So I went to his house or whatever, and, and he and he got a, he's got a brick. I mean, it's, you know, a pound. And sets it on the table. And so we, ch we do the exchange, whatever. And I was like, man, I can't. This is too much. I can't handle all this. So I start selling it to my friends. And I was getting paid to smoke. I was, that's how I was making money. After, at, well, after I got put on academic probation, my parents was like, got to get a job. So I got a job, but I was still kind of doing this on the side. So I'm selling weed to my friends, working during the day, smoking at night. Young, I'm 19 years old, 18 years old. I've got energy. I can stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning. I can be up at 6 o'clock the next morning. No big deal. It's fine. Um, one thing led to another. I'm not going to go into detail about how I got into this situation, but I, I ended up at a certain place. Wrong place, wrong place, wrong time. And I'd got... I had got involved into some heavier drugs at that point in time in my life. So a lot of cocaine, a lot of ecstasy, a lot of acid, um, a lot of crack, cocaine. Uh, you, you pretty, if, if you can name it, I've, I've probably done it. Um, methamphetamines, pills, stuff like that. And it just so happened I ran into this guy that needed some distribution help. So once... Once I got there, it, it was really no turning back. It, it was one of those situations that, I, like, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it full swing. This is what I'm going to do. So I was a distributor. I was a major narcotics distributor in the whole southeast, Tennessee, Georgia, Mississippi, uh, central Alabama, places like that. So this, this, this all happened within two years of me graduating high school. So I went, I went from high school, normal kid, smoked weed every now and then. Now I'm a major narcotics dealer in the whole Southeast region of the United States. 
I was what you would call a plug, if you want street terms. So we're deep in it now. Deep in it, like no turning back. And fast forward a little bit, because I think they've got a good handle now on the state and the condition that your life was in yep. at that time. It's a Sunday night. We had almost finished up our Sunday night service here. You know, me and Kevin have been close our whole lives, but like he said, once we got into college age, we kind of grew apart a little bit just because we weren't around each other as much anymore. I was at UNA, I was playing ball, that had my focus, that had my attention. Uh, he was off doing his thing, and we had kind of grown apart a little bit. Um, but our friendship, our relationship had never really changed. Um, it's a Sunday night. We had a Sunday night service here. I remember the service was almost done, and my phone buzzed, and it was Kevin. I hadn't heard from him in a while. And he was wanting to know if I had time to maybe meet up and talk with him. And so after the service was over with, I called him. I said, hey, man, I'm finishing up the service here at church. After that's over with, we can meet up and talk. That's fine. Where do you want to meet up at? And there's a gas station kind of out in Central where we grew up. Um, if you're from around here, you know what I'm talking about. It's right off Savannah Highway. Uh, cousin's convenience store. He said, well, how about we just meet up right there? Kind of a central location. We'll meet up in the parking lot and, and just talk. And so we decided to meet up right there. So I can vividly remember telling Matt, our youth pastor in the back, hey, man, be praying because this is my best friend. And I know he's been going through a hard time, and I think God's working on his life. And I'm fixing to leave here and go and meet with him. So be praying that God would do something in his heart tonight and I loaded up in my truck and I took off and I met Kevin at the parking lot so I want to I want to talk about that night I want to talk about what happened that night I want to talk I want you to explain to us what what led up to that moment to where you decided to reach out to me what was going on in your heart what what got you to that place where you said I've got to I've got to reach out to somebody that somebody was me how did you get to that point and then we'll talk about a little bit what transpired that night as we sat there and had a conversation in my truck. But what got you to that point? So at that time that I talked to Trey, I was in Tuscaloosa for the weekend. I mean, I bounced around a lot. I mean, I, I mean, like I said a while ago, I, I had a 40-hour-a-week job. You know, my, my parents made me work, but so I'm doing all, the, I'm doing all this playtime at night during the week so I can come back home on the weekends and act like nothing was going on. One person. One person in this town, now everybody knows, now y'all know, one person in this town knew what was going on. I had a double life that I lived for four years, and that was hard to juggle. So I'm in Tuscaloosa at the time. Like I said, I moved around a lot. Um, I was seeing a girl. I was seeing a girl in Tuscaloosa, and uh, I was there for the Iron Bowl of 2012. And me and a couple, me, me and, me and some, some boys was out there and hanging out. And uh, it was a normal weekend. I mean, just, just partying and, and, and doing our thing. Um, until the girl I was seeing goes through my phone and sees that I was cheating on her. Um, so it, another, another spiral, you know, out of control. I don't like confrontation. Me and Matt was talking about that. Like, I don't like confrontation. I don't like fights. I don't like to fight with my wife. If she starts fussing at me about something, I shut down completely. So she, my, the girl I was seeing at the time, you can imagine how it went. I'm not in my right state of mind. I'm obviously high off my tail. So I leave, and the only thing that I can think about doing is getting 
more high. So I have access to a lot of drugs and I know a lot of people in the area so I can get anything I want. So go to a location, get whatever I want. Lose track a little bit of what I had taken. I'm, I mean, I, I know how drugs work. I mean, I know what to take, what not to take, and when to take it and when not to take it. I know that, but not this night. So I go back to the apartment where the girl I was seeing was staying at, and uh, I like she, her mom was was in the medical field, uh, and I think I think my heart rate at the time was in the 40s. So I had taken too many uppers and too many downers. When that happens, they meet your heart and it tries to stop your heart and your heart can't keep up with what your body's going through. So at that time, she still cared enough about me. She, she drags me, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big dude. Um, she drags me into the bathroom and she starts shoving a pen down my throat to make me vomit off all the drugs. As many drugs as I've taken that night, I was, she was, uh, putting a pen down my throat and I was she was she was getting them out of my system without taking me to the hospital because of my she didn't know the extent of the the debt that I was in of like my drug trafficking um she didn't she didn't know the extent of it I mean she knew I mean I mean I lived I lived a lifestyle that that wasn't like most people's I'll, I'll put it that way and um I woke up the next morning um, I mean, I, I had no idea what had happened. I had, I had no memory, so we start talking, um, and she's calmed down at this point, and um, she, we, we just start having a conversation, man, and, and I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I had, I had no intention of even Jesus coming in this conversation, no intention. She didn't mention it. I didn't mention it, but I just felt a knife in my, I mean, uh, theoretical, obviously, um, I mean, I, f I felt a knife in my heart, and, and I, I knew something had to change. And in a 24-hour period, I had a Paul-like transformation in my life. Um, I could, well, I, that's when I called Trey. I didn't call him, I texted him. That was, that was Sunday afternoon. It was Sunday afternoon, told him we would meet up Sunday night. I was still in Tuscaloosa. I had to come back. Um, I had to pick, I, I had to swap cars, I had to do a bunch of stuff, so I met up with Trey and keep going. Yeah, so we meet up that night at the parking lot, and you know, I didn't, I didn't know the extent of Nobody which did. he had gotten involved with the things that he had, and you know, as we're sitting in my truck, he begins to pour out to me some of the details of his life and the things that have been going on, and Specifically, that instance that night where things had gotten so bad, you know, when he had pushed it to a level that he never had before, even. And so we're sitting in my truck, and we began talking about what it means to, like Nicodemus, be born again. What it means to truly accept Jesus. Now, we talked earlier about how with your family, you know, you grew up around church. Uh, you, you grew up around a church environment. Y'all went uh, at times when you spent the night at my house. You know, if it was a weekend, you went to church with us on Sundays. We did the vacation Bible schools and, and all that stuff. So you knew who Jesus was, you know, and, and you had heard about how our sins were only forgiven in and through him. And so that night as we're sitting in our truck and begin discussing, having a conversation of what it means to truly be, be born again, you know, I'm explaining this all over again uh, to Kevin, things that he's heard before 
but never heard before. You get what I'm saying? That night, the work that God had done in your heart while you were driving back, I think for the first time you really heard the truth of the gospel. You really understood what it meant to surrender your life to Jesus and have a relationship with him. And so while we're in that truck that night, you know, I ask him if he wants to pray to receive Christ and and he does. And so right there in my truck that night in a convenience store gas station at like 9 o'clock at night in the pitch black. There's not even like any parking lights in the parking lot. I remember him praying to receive Christ. You know, I didn't lead him through a prayer. I didn't say repeat after me or anything like that. It was the most simplistic, most submissive and surrenderful prayer, though. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with. Salvation has nothing to do with how eloquent your prayer is. Salvation is just the sinner coming to the realization they need Jesus. And throwing themselves upon him and asking for his grace and mercy to flood their lives. And he'll do it. And he did it for you that night. And your life's been different ever since. So moving on from that night, how has Jesus monumentally transformed your life since then? How is your life completely and radically different than what it used to be? So I want to give you a moment to just brag on Jesus and what he's done for you and the opportunities that he's given you here recently and the way in which your life has become so much different now that you have a true relationship with him. Yeah, so like Trey was talking about, I had grown up hearing and not hearing. I I had no idea what it meant to surrender your life to Christ. I had no idea what I was doing right now. I, I I just knew, I knew that I had a feeling I didn't know what it was. I, I honestly believe that that day that I had texted you that Christ had come into my life like right then. I, I believe that if something were to happen to me on the way to meet you, that I, I 100% believe that I would that if if I would have gone to heaven, I would have spent eternity with Jesus. Um, luckily, it didn't. Um, like Trey said, I mean we, I mean I boohooed in that truck in that parking lot. I've never cried in front of a man, ever. <laughs> And I boohooed in front of Trey, and it was and it was the most peaceful. And and now going going into how how Jesus has changed my life, y'all. It, all I, all I can say is peaceful. I mean, you can imagine the stress that was on my life doing the things that I was doing. I mean, I, I understand school and and people in here that that have careers and and the stresses of your life can get the best of you, but. If, if I had got caught doing what I was doing, I was going to jail for a really long time. And I, like, going back to the conversation, I wouldn't do well in jail. I, I would not. So you can imagine the stresses that was going on in my life. Um, and, and all I can say is peace. I mean, peace that surpasses all understanding. That's all I can say. God has given me, in, in, in the time, I remember my first night coming to Underwood we were I don't know if y'all noticed it but the little building across the street over there that's where we used to meet our group in here and I remember like I had never cried in front of a of a man I go I go to a college service and I meet Matt and he hugs me and I had never hugged a man (laughs) like full-blown frontal hug I'd never done that before and he did it, and I was super uncomfortable. And y'all, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. If you've never been to a church before, I know how it feels to be uncomfortable, man. Like, I, I like I'm here with you. I, I remember that day. 
I remember that first church service I ever went into, man, and it was so uncomfortable that the shame that I had felt, but I knew that was broken. It was just peace. Just I can't explain to you the peace that I had had in my life after that. Um, he, he's given me opportunity to serve. Actually, there's some kids here tonight who I taught in Sunday school. Um, I don't know if back then they thought what they're thinking right now, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's crazy to see them all grown up tonight. God's given me a great opportunity to teach them in Sunday school and see them grown up and in college, man. It's nuts. I, I served outside of church for a little while. I served for a nonprofit organization called Outreach Outdoors. We hunted and fished all the time growing up, so um, that, that was real important to me, man. I was, I was with a kid, and y- y'all may be animal lovers in here. That's fine, but we like to kill stuff. <laughs> and so that, that's what we did, man. I was, with a, I, I was with a kid, got to share Christ with a lot of kids, gave me the opportunity. Um, right now, at my... At, in my service, I mean, my, my work, God, God led me into the fire service because the only thing, I mean, I, I got tore down so much because of my past, and I, it never processed in my mind the things that I was doing. Um, man, the families that I torn apart, uh, because, I mean, I, some, of y'all, some of y'all may come from a, from a, from a drug, drug-related broken home. Uh, and, and I'm not saying I, I caused that. I hope not. But I, that's the only thing that was going through my mind was so much negative. Um, and I struggled with that for a while. Um, but, and then, I, I mean, this was the church I met my wife at, um, Myra Carter. Uh, Amory went in front of the church, joined the church, and I looked at Myra, and she looked at me, and she, she said, you're going to marry her across from the church. And we ended up getting married a couple years later. I I can't put into words, y'all. I, I really can't. I mean, the, the the changes that happened in my life. I mean, it, it's I mean, used to I, I had to have a plan. I mean, now I'm I'm kind of just milling around in spiritual never never land. I'm not really serving anywhere right now. I'm I'm kind of just I'm kind of just hanging out, waiting on God to open the door for me to go somewhere. I I, I really I, I'm not. I'm not dedicating my life right now, or I would love to, don't get me wrong, but right now God has me in a place right now where I'm, I'm dedicating my life to, to my work and my wife and my friends and just loving on people right now. Um, I, I really don't have a place in, in the church where I'm serving as far as Sunday school or anything goes like that. So, You know, to know Kevin on a personal level like I do, and for a lot of people in this room that you know Kevin on a personal level, as well, there are multiple people here tonight that can attest to the transformation that's taken place in his life since he surrendered it to Jesus. I mean, he's a 100% completely different person. Now, you know, same personality for the most part, um, but Jesus has changed his heart. And it's been amazing to see two th- to even realize in this moment that we're sitting right here having this conversation in front of you guys is something that you probably never imagined taking place in your life if you look back seven, eight, nine years ago in the place that you were in. And so, you know, these conversations that, that we've seen in Scripture, 
when we talk about the things Jesus has done, we have seen how Jesus changes people's lives in Scripture. I brought Kevin up here tonight to allow him the opportunity to share a little bit about his life and to tell you about how Jesus has changed it to give you a firsthand, tangible look at the things that we've been talking about in Scripture and let you know that it's not make-believe. Jesus really changes lives. Jesus is the only one that can change lives. On the road to Emmaus, he walked up to those two guys and he asked them about the details of their life and what was going on. In the midst of all that Kevin was doing, in the midst of him being in Tuscaloosa, hitting rock bottom, being in a place where he had never been before, Jesus showed up in the midst of all those details of his life and expressed his desire to be a part of it. When Peter messed up monumentally and denied knowing Christ three times, Jesus showed up in Peter's life and restored him from his past failures and mistakes and bad decisions. In the same way, Christ showed up in Kevin's life and restored this man in an unimaginable way. When I taught that lesson that night about Peter, and we were talking about restoration, Kevin was here that night, and I actually told you guys that were here, hey, if you want to hear a testimony of restoration, talk to that guy in the back. I didn't even have it planned at the time to have him up here at the end of this. Jesus brought restoration into this man's life from a life of promiscuity, from a life of drugs and alcohol and everything else underneath the sun, and Christ has restored him to a place where those things no longer exist in his life. Serving as a Sunday school teacher, teaching 4th and 5th and 6th grade kids, sharing at Vacation Bible School, married to a godly woman. Jesus restores lives. To a woman at the well who had a life marred of sin, who had been in several different relationships, who didn't have any hope for her life, who was a social outcast, afraid to even show her face around anybody else in her community because they all knew about the things that she was doing, to having a conversation with Jesus about how she can be forgiven of all those things. Jesus brought forgiveness into this man's life. A life marred of mistakes and failures and, and sins and bad choices to the point where he was living in secret, afraid to show up at the well with everybody else for fear that they might say something about him or find out the things that he was doing. And Christ brought forgiveness into his life. To Nicodemus showing up, asking Jesus how it's possible to see the kingdom of God and Jesus sharing with him, you can, but you must be born again. It doesn't matter about religion. It doesn't matter how good you are morally. Be born again and you can see all these things. You can receive salvation to seeing this man sitting here tonight having been born again through Christ. And I know now that when we breathe our last breaths here on this earth, we'll both see the kingdom of God. To Simon the Pharisee who had a heart with a horrible attitude whose perception was so messed up that he couldn't even see Jesus sitting right in front of him and the things that he could do to change his heart to a man that's had the attitude of his heart completely changed in a whole different direction sitting here tonight testifying in an extremely bold and courageous way to these people that a lot of which you've never even met before of the things that Christ has done in your life. I'm telling you guys, Jesus changes lives. As we finish up tonight, we bring it to a close. I just want to ask you, you know, what's, if you had to leave them with one piece of advice, if you had to leave them with one encouragement or maybe one challenge or 
Maybe if you were even going to speak to someone here tonight who would say, you know what, I'm kind of on the fence about Christ. I'm not sure if I want to go there or not. I'm not sure if this is real. I'm not sure if I want to surrender my life to him or not. If you had to give a piece of advice, if you had to speak to that person that's on the fence, if you had to give an encouragement for these young adults in the room tonight, what would that be? Well, with my personality, I mean, I would say go big. I mean, go all in. I mean, I, that's just been my personality all the time. If I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I mean, you can tell by the things that I've told you tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm not scared to do, do, do whatever, but God led me into that point in time in my life where I could follow him. And if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. Um, the things that he brought me out of, I, I, I would say my challenge to you is, okay, so I, I would have two separate ones. If you're a born-again Christian in here, I'm, sh I'm sure we all have friends that have been through something like what me and Trey has gone through. You know, I mean, Trey, I mean, I, I knew he was a godly man, and I knew I could call on him, and he could find the right words. God could put, I'm sorry, God could put the words that's in right. Trey to speak through him to me. That's it. And, and that's what happened. So if, if you're a born-again believer in here tonight and you have a friend that's struggling, I know it's hard to navigate between, you know, should I throw Jesus on them or should I not? You know, do they want to hear about Jesus or do they not? You know, Trey never threw Jesus on me. There, whenever I was doing the things that I was doing, there was two things that I never talked about, politics and religion. Didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to engage in a conversation about it. And now it's just politics. I will talk with you about Jesus all day long. I don't, I don't know scripture. I don't memorize. I, I try to memorize scripture. I'm not good at it. Adam can, he has got a memory, and I noticed it last night, that he has a memory like nobody's business, and I don't like, I, I love you, but I'm jealous of your memory. I wish I could quote scripture to you up here tonight, but it's not that way. But if you have friends that are going through the same things that I went through, Pray for your friends. I'm telling you, there is power in prayer. Amen. There, I know Trey was praying for me. I know Matt was praying for me. I know Lori was praying for me. I know Ash. There was people praying for me at a point in time in my life where I needed it the most, and I didn't even know it. God came to me and saved my soul because of that prayer. So if you are a born-again believer in here, I, I, I beg you, pray for your friends pray for Jesus to show you a way to navigate where you can share Jesus. And even if it's not a friend, if it's somebody you just met at UNA and you know that they're involved in things that is going to lead them down the wrong path, build that relationship. Don't just shy away from them. I mean, this is a challenge, y'all. I know how hard it is, and, and you're going to have to be prayed up yourself to, to not get involved with those things. If you're going to be around this person, show them love shower them with love, invite them to church. If they don't want to come, that's fine. Just find a way to navigate a relationship and just engage in some conversation with them, be there for them. That's all Trey did for me. I mean, yeah, we grew up together, but that don't mean that you can't be there for somebody. If you're not a born-again believer in here, you may just happen to be in here and you just, like I said, you just kind of come in here and you just wanted to find out what this stuff was about. Man, just go big. I'm telling you, don't leave here tonight questioning if you are going to go to heaven or not. You may not end up in the same place I was, but there's going to be a point in time in your life something was missing. I'm telling you, man, I had, a, I, had, I had 
I, I had an addiction to money. That, that was my addiction. Um, I, had, I had plenty of money um, with the things that I was doing. There was always something missing. Y'all, y'all ever just been wandering around, just knew something was missing in your life? You ever missed a Bible study? You ever missed a Bible study for six months? You hadn't read your Bible in two weeks? You ever felt like something was missing? You hadn't prayed in a while? You felt like something was missing? That's exactly how I felt. I never could fill that void. If you're not a born-again believer in here tonight, I know what you're feeling. I know how you feel. There's something missing in your life. That's, and and, and that, that is not by coincidence. That is Jesus calling you home. If you have a question about that, please talk to somebody. I'm serious. Um, I want to share this. So I, I told you about this one person that knew what I was doing that was even from this area. So the people that knew it, I was, I, I had a very small group. So I mean, I had like, I didn't talk to that many people, man. Like in high school growing up, I had the personality. I was a, I was outgoing. Now God's changed my life. I'm kind of more of I don't say that much. Um, I had a really good friend of mine who who was involved in this, and and we were kind of, we were boys, man. We were partners. Um, He was, like I said, he was the only one that knew what we were doing. He kind of got, he kind of got off the trail a little bit. You know, whenever, whenever I gave everything up, there's some things that have to be worked out when you're involved in the things that I was involved in that I had to do a lot of work. To, and I did it by faith. Um, me and Cody kind of, oh shoot, I said his name. I didn't mean to. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cody's not with us anymore. Cody, Cody took our secret to the grave with him. He, he uh, died of a heroin overdose in uh, 2000. Man, I feel so bad for not remembering. 2013. Um, he, he, was, he, was, he was my boy, man. He, he was my running partner. Same as Trey, man. He knew he knew everything about my life. I knew everything about his, what we were going through. Um, where me and Trey kind of fizzled out, uh, Cody kind of picked up. Um, and like I said, after after I come to know Christ, but the best the best thing that could have happened to Cody was, and yeah yeah he slipped up, man. Uh, but Cody called me. I was in the church parking lot. I, I had just got out, and I was me and Anne Marie were just dating at the time. And no, Cody didn't call me. His his girlfriend at the time called me and was like, hey, Cody's in some trouble. And I said, what's going on? She's like, well, you know, he's, 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 you know, shooting up, shooting up heroin. So I leave church and I drive to Huntsville. That's where Cody was living at the time. I drive to Huntsville and, uh, we, we go through the whole talk and everything. I'm not throwing Jesus on him, but I'm telling him, man, like he knows the radical change that I've had in my life. Long story short, Cody, Cody goes to rehab. Um, he goes to a rehab facility that is very Christ, Christ-centered. Um, it, it's, it's sponsored by, by a church, several churches out there, actually. And Cody calls me a couple months later and says that he gave his life to Christ. Now, I, I, know, I know my boy's in heaven, and I know what you're thinking. Like, he messed up. How does he get in? But let me tell you something. When you accept Jesus in your life, his blood covers everything. Look, man, I'm telling you, I'm sitting up here a sinner, okay? I, when, you, when, you're, when you get saved, okay, I'm, I'm going to be real with y'all for a minute. When you get saved, I may be going too long. I don't know. I'm about to get fired up here in just a second. 
<laughs> I'm going to be honest with you all, man. When, when you get saved, that don't make you a perfect human being, okay? You're going to mess up. You're going to fall. But his blood covers it all. I'm telling you, man, I, I'm not sh up here sharing my story for my glory. I'm up here sharing my story for his glory. That's right. All right, man? So I know what that power is. And, and Cody, man, thank, thank God, man, he, he gave his life to Christ. Yeah, he slipped up, man. It, it, he, he took our secret to the grave with him. And, uh, man, like I said, if you're, if you, uh, if you're a born-again believer in here and you know somebody, reach out to them, man. Love on them. Care for them. If you're not a born-again believer, please talk to somebody. Please. I don't, I don't, I mean, just, just engage in conversation. If you're on the fence, man, let somebody know. Just let somebody know so we can love on you, man, so we can care for you, so we can, you know, it, we're not going to throw Jesus on you. We're, we're going we're gonna to pray for you. We're going to ask you to hang out. We'll be here for you. I appreciate you being up here tonight, brother. And let everybody have a peek inside of your life in a real private way, but in a real public way, displaying what Jesus has done. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.